Please turn your Bibles with me to John chapter number 4. We are reading from verse 21 to 24. John chapter number 4. We are reading from verse number 21 through to 24. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Jesus said to the woman, said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain, please keep my voice at one place. I'm thinking about what you're doing. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor, on, nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Someone say that the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here ends the reading of his holy word. We have been talking and um, discussing extravagant worship. Hallelujah. Today, I want to give you a short message I entitled, Three Extravagant Worshippers. Someone say, Three Extravagant Worshippers. I was thinking of giving you five, but I, I decided that maybe for the sake of time, three will do. What do you think? We'll see how it goes. We can move it from three to five. Amen. We have seen... Solomon worshipped God extravagantly. I told you the definition of extravagant is going beyond being wasteful, going beyond the ordinary, giving something out of logic, being wasteful, senseless worship, worship that has no uh, what do you call decorum. Worship that has no restriction. You know, all of us, we're singing, but we have a certain type of, you know, honor around us, respect around us that we don't want to let go of. But this type of worshipers are worshipers that know how to worship God senselessly. We saw Solomon the last, uh, two weeks ago worship God senselessly. And we saw... Um, David also worshipped, last week, worshipped God senselessly. I mean, we, we quantified the amount of um, offering that Solomon brought, and it was 120,000 sheep. And we said, if 100, 120,000 sheep, if one sheep is worth 200 pounds, was it? No, 600 pounds. Multiply that by 120,000. How much is that? It came to about 70-something million. Somebody comes and gives 70 million as offering. That guy is wasteful. It's almost senseless. Hallelujah. Today we're going to look at three more people. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter number 22. We're looking at the first guy who gave extravagantly. Genesis chapter 22 from verse number 1 and 2, and we'll jump to 12 and to 14. Hallelujah. 
Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Jump to verse 12. Then he said, so we know the story, right? He takes the son. The wife asks, what are you, why aren't you taking any of the cattle, the sheep, to go and sacrifice? The husband says, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Then they get to the foot of the mountain. He tells the servant, you wait here. I and the lad will go up to worship. So they go up. And the lad says to the father, I see the, the, the wood. I see the knife. I see the fire, but I don't see the offering. And the father says to the son, don't worry, the Lord will provide. And then he takes the son up to the uh, mountain and he ties the son hand and foot and puts the son on the firewood. And he's about to light the son as a burnt offering. Then verse 12 happens. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his, lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the ticket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram. And offered it as a burnt offering instead of the son, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it, it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Hallelujah. Extravagant worship. Remember that at this time, Abraham had let go his side chick. Hagar had left with Ishmael. So now he has no child apart from Isaac. And Isaac was 17 years old at this time. So he was not a child per se. I don't know, but if I were a 17 year old, and um, where's Palmas? Come. So, assume I am Abraham. This lad is around 17 years old. All right. So, his, his birthday is today. So, so, assuming that I am Abraham. And then put your hands, cross your hands together. Bring me the, the rope. So. I will know how to, how, how to, how to kill people. 
and I'm about to sacrifice him. How many would, uh, for a 17-year-old? <sighs> and a hundred and something-year-old man. There's no way I'm going to stand there to be tied up. When you can see that this is the fire and this is the knife and it's about but the Bible says that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. As we all beheld him he was led to the slaughter and he did not resist. He went on our behalf. This is the image of Jesus Christ and the Father's extravagant love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son like Abraham gave Isaac. And he says, I love you, son. You are my only son. You are the strength of my might. You are my legacy. You are my hope in this world. You are my dream. Remember father's dream. Son's sea vision. You are my dream. That as I leave this world, you would extend what I have done. Yet, to the slaughter, we go. Now, go and lie on the... Lie, lie down. Lie on there. Hey, you are removing yourself. <laughs> so, I am about to kill him. And the Lord says, hold on. Now I know that you love. Put your hands together for him. Now, what I want you to see, what I want you to see is this. Abraham had something that we need. The first thing Abraham had was obedience. You can, never, you can never give extravagant worship to God if you are not somebody who obeys. Did you hear what I said? The act of extravagant worship is the act of obedience. And in 1 Samuel 15, 22, so Samuel said to, the, said to him, has the Lord God delight in burnt offering or sacrifices as in obeying? Has God got great delight in sacrifices, in, in, in offerings, as in obeying his voice? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heat than the fat of rams. Hallelujah. You see, one of the things that we ought to learn about Abraham and his act of sac extravagant sacrifice is the act of obedience. A lot of people like to give rather than obey. 
A lot of us, it's easier for us to give. Because obedience will cost us. How many understand that? So knew that to obey means to displease the, the army, the people that went with him. Because in those days, the culture was that when somebody, when you go to war, the spouse of a war belongs to the people who went to fight. So when you see a nice family, a nice uh, lady with nice children, and you want them, you kill the husband, the spouse of war, the wife and the children become part of, you can take them home. <laughs> Are you getting it? When you see somebody who has a nice car and you kill them, you take their, their things. It's the spouse of war. And by law, you are allowed to take the spouse of war home. So Saul has gone, he has, he has conquered, and he's brought the spouse of war. It was not just the cattle, the sheep, the, the goats, and all this. Thing. It was the people, the gold, and everything. God told not kill all the people. Don't spare any. All the animals, don't spare any. So he, he kills the ones and he leaves the nice things. He leaves the king and he leaves the nice goat. Because in those days, wealth was quantified by the number of goats and cattle you have. Are you with me? So he killed everything, but he kept the wealth. Because it's easier to sacrifice, bribe God, give God something than obey. But what God wants is not sacrifice. It's not money. He wants obedience. That's the first thing. Hallelujah. The first thing is what? Obedience. To obey is better than to sacrifice. And you see, it's not just obedience, but obedience that will cost you. There is some times and there are some things that when God asks you to do, it will cost you. Do you know that this obedience costs Abraham his marriage? Now, if, you, if you're a student of the Bible, you realize that Abraham and Sarah, they, they, they separated. And I mean, I'm thinking about, like I, I keep telling you, I'm not very clever, so I read the Bible in pictures. It helps me to understand. If my wife, my son comes to tell me that daddy attempted to kill me, I asked you when you were going to take some of the sheep. You said, no, the Lord has already provided. When I tried to give the servant some of the cattle to take with, it, with them, you said, no. And then you were going to kill my only son. Look at how many years it took me to have the son. You have a, a side chick that has, I'm sure you know where the side chick is. I'm sure you know where Ishmael is. So if you kill my son, you go and find your Ishmael. Me, my only one. That's the one. Why didn't you sacrifice Ishmael? If God wanted you to sacrifice a child, go find Ishmael. But mine. Sometimes, the reason why we disobey is because we don't want to offend people. don't want to offend. But I heard Jesus say somewhere in the Bible that if anyone does not hate his mother and his father, 
And yet, even himself, he's not worthy. He cannot be worthy to be my disciple. Am I talking to somebody? It is difficult to obey God. It is difficult to live a life of obedience. It's difficult to live a life of holiness. Because people are, people are such that we like to please. We like to please people. But if you are going to be an extravagant worshiper, obedience that will cost you is what you must do. Whatever God says, that is what you must do. The hymn writer said, where he sends, we will go. What he says, we will do. Never fear. Only trust and obey. The song says that trust and obey. I will trust him and I'll obey him. Even if it will cost my friendship. Even if it will cost my marriage. Even if it will cost me something that I hold so dear. Extravagant worshiper is the one who says that I will trust and obey. That is, that is the extravagant worshiper. Hallelujah. I don't think that from that day onwards, the son will look at the father the same. Say, this man, this man, he's a bad man, bad man. <laughs> so, all this while we're in the same house, not knowing your plans in your head. And you say it's God. Where did God meet, meet you to tell you this? That go and kill my son. Go and kill, come, kill me. Hallelujah. The second thing. Obedience proves your love to God. John 14, 15 says that if you love me, you will keep my command. You keep my commandment. Hallelujah. If you love me, what would you do? Yeah. You obey my, it, it proves your love. It also proves your trust in God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't trust God. Or his word. That is how come we don't want to obey. Hallelujah. Oh, I say hallelujah. Let's look at the second, the second extravagant worshiper very quickly. Let's see how we go with this. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a poor, a certain poor widow. She threw in two mites, which making a father. Then he called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did, all they did cast, in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all. Somebody say all. All that she had, even all her living. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Extravagant worship. Someone say extravagant worship. Or oh, say like you mean extravagant worship. Now, in this story, it's a very, very simple story. But then there the are a few things I want you to see. The first thing is that God sees your art of giving. Amen? God sees. The Bible says that all were given. They were, they were giving, bringing their offerings to, into the box or whatever they were offering. And Jesus leaned over and was seeing what was being put in by the people who were putting in. Sometimes the reason why we are very careless with our offering is because we don't think that anybody sees. Am I talking to somebody? We don't think anybody sees what we are doing. Because if we were asked to bring everybody, show your offering. We might have to change the offering we are putting in the offering box. <laughs> How many will agree with me? Hey, show your offering to your neighbor. Immediately we'll change the offering. Because my offering is not, it's not very, very honorable. Hallelujah. But I saw a scripture somewhere in Hebrews chapter 4 verse uh, 13. He says, Neither is any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Give me the NIV. Give me the NIV. You don't have the NIV. Okay, so give me NLT. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. Please remember this scripture from today. I didn't say I didn't say anything. I said please remember the scripture. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. You may dribble everybody. You may, you know, scheme your way through everything. But remember that nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before the eyes. And he is the one whom we are accountable NIV says everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. So Jesus didn't have to even stay there to see who gave what. He knew. Heaven knows what you are giving. If you are giving your best, heaven knows. If you are giving everything, heaven knows. If you are not giving, you are giving the, the uh, remember um, Cain and Abel. Abel gave his best. Cain just brought the convenient sacrifice. And he just came and laid it there. And the Bible says, and God had respect for Abel's worship. But for Cain's worship, there was no respect. Because he sees. God sees. Hallelujah. I say God sees. Today I promised myself that I'll stand behind the pulpit. I don't know why I keep coming down. 
Proverbs 15, 3. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and good. Hallelujah. I say the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Hallelujah. The second thing about this particular um, passage that I want you to see about extravagant worship is that your act of worship and giving must be born out of the right motive. God judges motives. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says that, Therefore judge nothing before it's time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things and darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Hallelujah. God judges motives. This thing you are giving, what's behind it? This thing you are doing, what, what is the reason behind it? What's your, what's your intention? Hallelujah. If the motive is right, you'll be blessed. If the motive is wrong. See, I don't care whether you come and throw billions of uh, pounds here. If you have the wrong motive, you will not be blessed. Hallelujah. Why do you do what you do? What's in it for you? Our act of worship, number three, and giving catches God's attention. This woman just came and threw in two mites. People have been giving thousands. People have been giving hundreds. People have been giving tens and uh, and. Uh, uh, hundreds of thousands. And this woman comes and throws two mites. One and two. Means two, two uh, 50p's. So one 50p coin and another 50p coin making a pound. She throws in a pound. And Jesus says that she has given her living. Which means her total wealth. Everything she has, she has put in the offering. That's extravagant worship. That's wasteful worship. Remember I said that worship is not just singing. Worship is not just speaking. Giving is also an art of worship. Hallelujah. So when you come to worship, what do you bring? Remember the story I told you about the denominations that were chatting? The $100 bill The 50-pound notes. They were having a conversation. How they've been to Selfridges. How they've been to Harvey Nichols. They've been to all these posh places. Different malls. They even went to the Apple shop. And all these nice places. And the one-pound coin... And the one dollar said, where is that? Where is Harvey Nichols? Where is um, 
Apple Store. We we go to the Angels Delight Church, Church of Pentecost, Ambassador Church, Embassy Church, Kingdom Church. Those are the places we go because we are Christians. For the coins and the one dollar and the five pound, we go to church. The 50 pound notes, the hundred dollar bill says, where is that? I remember once somebody took me there. Once. Somebody took me there, but I, I don't remember what they do there. And I didn't see anybody. I was alone there. I, I, I felt very lonely that day. That's why I remember. The same people, but the denominations in their bags go to different places. Which means that, and remember your worship, your worship is equivalent to your love. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it means that your heart is in Havinicles and Apple and all those places. Your heart is not here. Because when you come here and you look at what you have given here, you see that your heart is not here. You cannot claim to be an extravagant worshiper. Maybe in, in Apple you can claim that. Maybe in Harrods you can claim that. Because you're an extravagant spender there. Oswald Street, they know you there. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Our worship is not extravagant. Because we are not straight. Hallelujah. We don't think heaven sees. We think if I can lift my hands and do a, a few magic in church, it will show that I love the Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my hand to worship you. Oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my king, in all you hear. Let it be a sweet, oh, sweet song in your ear. <gasps> I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, oh, to worship you. Oh, 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 my soul. And when you finish, you put a pound in the offering bowl. I love you, Lord. Meanwhile, when you see Sister Sprinkinston, Sister Sprinkinston, come. Jemima, come. Come, come, come. Quick, 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 quick. Quick. Don't spoil my message. Now, I love this girl. Frankenstein. 
I love you. There is nobody like... I love you so much. I put all the other girls away. You are my sugar. The only mosquito in my net. <laughs> then, I take her to satay. Uh, what do you call it? What is that? Blue Sakura. Order anything, I'll pay. Then she too, she'll order. 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 Then, so, oh, is that all? Do you want some more? Do you want some more? Order. Then, it's like, oh, my, my girlfriend, my roommate is, my roommate, roommate come. <laughs> Say, my roommate is there. Can I call my roommate to come? Oh, no problem. Call your roommate. Then you call your roommate. Your roommate to comes to join. Oh, it, what would you eat? Then order. 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 Then, okay, please go and sit down. Then, the, who, who, is, who is my waiter? Come, come, waiter, bring the bill. Somebody, waiter. Martina, come. You are the waiter. So, waiter, bring the bill. Waiter brings the bill. It is 850 pounds. 850 pounds. Meanwhile, you have never given more than three pounds in church before. In one night, in one evening. This, this girl, you, it will not take you anywhere. In fact, you are like the fourth or the fifth guy. Who has? And then she also brought her her roommate, freeloader, to come and freeload on you. Now you take your wallet. Then you see, then you see some hot air will start blowing here <laughs> because you have seen that you have been foolish, <laughs> but you don't know how to. <laughs> then. You, then you have to go and can you bring the card machine? Then they bring the card machine. Then you put it means that you are not only paying for the food, but you are paying interest on the food. Because three months later you are still paying the food. Where well, the food has finished. She has by that she's blocked you. Sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You never caught the attention of the girl after spending 800 pounds. She still blocked you. And you, don't even, you still don't even know the girlfriend's name. Her girlfriend's name, you still don't. Her roommate, you don't even know her name. Meanwhile, she has joined to spend your money for real. Number four. We are not judged with the same measurement. When we come to worship, we are not judged with the same measurement. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, the Bible says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hallelujah. The woman came and gave two mites. 
Others were given, but Jesus said that they gave out of the abundance. But this woman has given all that she had. It is not the, the, the father or the might or the denarius or the big monies. No, no, no. It's about the measurement of intention, measurement of your circumstances. God uses different measurements for different people. That is why you and I must be very, very careful not to look down on anybody. Because the way God measures them is different from the way he measures you. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. So why is that this person, when they, are, they come to church, they are dancing and jumping all over. That they are doing because they have a certain appreciation. You don't know. Don't know what has chased them. What they've been delivered from. You have no idea. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. So from today, oh, they always give two pounds, three pounds. As for me, I give big, big. Somebody said, Pastor, you don't know. If I pay my tithe, the church will shake. If I pay my tithe, the church will shake. Oh, this must more. You see, when I see the, the envelopes, I see they are very light. And when I bring my offering here, to give the, the ashes about extra uh, three hours, four hours to count. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says that you shall remember the Lord, that it is he that gives you the ability to create wealth. What is it that you have that was not given to you? Why are you so boastful in the little or the much you think you have? It's just God's grace. Do you know there are millionaires who are running from Ukraine? They left all their millions. They left, they didn't even take one suitcase. Keep boasting in your cars and your houses and your things. All you need is one bomb here. You see that your car doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and don't think that it's not, it will not happen. When the World War happened, it was everywhere. Was it, uh, 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 um, Friday, we were driving down um, Kexor Road and went past the the Kextor Abbey. And I was, saying, I was saying to my wife, how did they drop a bomb here? Look at Kextor. We are not part of any fights. We are minding our own business. But Hitler decides that he will go past Manchester. If you want to bomb, bomb Manchester. <laughs> or Liverpool. It's closer to the sea. Go to London. If you don't even like London, go to Birmingham. But as for us, we are, we are minding our own business here. Don't think that you escape. Don't think that you're an exception. It's only grace that has kept you and I safe. 
It's only grace that is keeping us safe. It's only God's grace that is keeping us. We are not different from those who are running. They didn't do anything to deserve their homes being bombed. Somebody decided to bomb and they found themselves as victims. If the same person decides to bomb here, you and I will also have to run. It's only the grace. So, the God that has protected us, that has given us his peace, when we come to worship him, must we be begged? Must we be cajoled? Do we need incentives to worship him? If the Ukrainians knew a few months ago that giving an offering of maybe 10,000 whatever their currency is will bring peace, do you think they would not all have given? Because their lives, things, this bombing has cost them much more than 10,000 pounds each. How much money would be needed to rebuild the country? Think about it. As we become stingy, as we become mean in the house of the Lord. Remember whether you give or not, the house of the Lord will always go on because he will build his church. God doesn't really need your money. God doesn't need anybody's money. He doesn't, honestly, he doesn't. For us, it's an honor. For us, it's a privilege that we are the ones who can give. We are blessed with it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Hallelujah. Be the ones to give. For the Lord to say, it's okay. You have given too much. Because once you are giving, it means you have peace. It means you have health. It means you have wealth to, in order to give. Hallelujah. I keep telling there are two types of land. One is a desert, one is a river. They all receive the same amount of rain. But one is richer than the other. Why? Because one gives. The water it gets, it gives. It shares. So the more it's sharing, the more it's receiving. The more it's sharing, the more it's receiving. The more it's sharing. The stingy, mean, selfish land swallows all the water. And it's always dry. When you go by it, you will think that water has never passed around it before. Because it's a desert. It's the nature of the land that has made it look poor. Because it's stingy. I pray that your life will not be a desert life. I say, I pray that your life will not be a desert life. You will learn how to give. Hallelujah. Number five, it wasn't how much she gave, but rather how much it cost her personally that moved Jesus. What made her giving, the widow's giving, extravagant, was not how much. It was the opportunity cost. It means giving this amount of money means she's going Empty, dry, no food. Remember the widow who had 
a piece of cake and a little oil. And she was gathering two sticks to go and make one last meal to eat with her son and die. And the prophet came and said, make me first a muscle. Then after, give your... If somebody's gathering two pieces of stick, I wonder the type of fire two pieces of stick can light. And I wonder how big the cake is that the two pieces of uh, sticks can prepare. But remember, it is not how much is the heart that you give with. It's my last meal, but I'll share it with the prophets and with my son. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 21 to 24. Then Ara- Araruna said, why has my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Hallelujah. Now, King David knew that if I, can, if I can build, I can give God something that is of worth, the plague in my life will be taken away. The plague in my country will be taken away. So, he said, now, the, I, I, may I call the guy Haruna, so if you don't mind, let me call him Haruna. Then Haruna said to David, Let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to, to him. Look, here are oxen for the burnt offerings and threshing floor implements and the yoke, yokes of oxen for wood. All this, O king, Haruna has given to the king. And Haruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Haruna, No. But I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer a burnt of, I'll neither buy it from nor will I offer a burnt offering to the Lord, my God, with that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Hallelujah. Oh, I say hallelujah. He says, no, I am not just going to pay anything. I am going to give something. Because when it comes to my God, I want to give what will cost me. Amen. It has to cost. Do you know that worship will cost you? Giving will cost you. Nobody gives and doesn't feel it. That means that giving is not right. Hallelujah. You know, when you go into your purse and you look for loose change that you don't miss and you bring into the offering bowl, it's not giving. Giving that is worth giving must cost you. Hallelujah. Worship that is worship must cost you. Amen. Let's look at the last one just for five minutes and then we'll go. The last is that okay? So we've seen the extravagant worship of 
Abraham. We have seen the extravagant worship of the widow. Let's look at this guy. Acts chapter 16, verse 19 to 26. And when her masters saw that the hope of gain of gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace with the rule unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent their clothes and commanded, commanded to beat them. Verse 23, Then when they had laid many stripes, Upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their, made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaking and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds bonds were loosed hallelujah they had been arrested not only had they been arrested they had been beaten what was their crime their crime was to preach the gospel their crime was to to bring salvation to people and because of that, they had been beaten. They had been jailed. But in jail, the Bible says, and at midnight. No. If I have been beaten, I am wounded in pains, and my hands and feet are tied up. I don't know about you, but the last thing I've been thinking about, I will give you are my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone are Lord to all. You alone. I will give you all my worship. I will give. How many will be singing? Remember. There were some guys who said, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. When the oppressors carried, away, carried us away captive. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But these guys are in a strange place. They are in prison. Their feet are in bonds. Their hands are chained. But then at midnight, they rise to sing. And they do not sing very softly. They sang in such a way that the prisoners heard them. Can you worship when you're going through issues? Can you worship when you're going through? When things are not right? When you've been beaten? When life has beaten you up, can you lift up your hand? When all is said and done, 
And everyone is gone. You're the reason. All I am. When the world says, when the world says what? When the world keeps feeling me, making me feel numb, you are the reason why I sing. All that my heart is hungry to have is just a touch from your loving hand. All that my heart aches. Can you sing when people are beating you? When you are in prison and you bring a certain worship that makes heaven take notes. It's not every worship that makes heaven take notes. It must be a certain worship. It must come from a certain place of love for heaven to respond. I challenge all of us to become people that give, that worship. I'm going to give you, as we close, four characteristics of all the people we have looked at from David to Solomon to Abraham to the widow to Paul and Silas. If I had time, I would have talked about Lucifer. In Ezekiel 38, the Bible says that the tapestry, look, let's look at it quickly. Uh, Ezekiel 38, from 28 downwards. That, no, go, go down to 12, I think. 12. No, go down again. How beautiful. Start from how beautiful you are made. Have you got a Bible? Look at Ezekiel 38 for me. Look at Have you found it? Hey, Pastor Sam, are you sure you can see this? 28, 12, sorry. <laughs> hey, Pastor Sam, no, I don't think Pastor Sam can see. Verse 12, son of man, take a lamentation unto the king of Tarus, and unto him, unto him, thus says the Lord, thou sealest unto him the sum of, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast what, Eden, that was in Eden, the garden of the Lord. Every precious stone was thy covering, saddles, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx. Are you not impressed with my eyes? Jasper, sapphire, and emeralds. Turquoise and emeralds. Pastor Sam, I, 
No, I don't think. Can you see this? Hey. Okay, take your glasses off and let's see. <laughs> yeah. The anointed cherub that covered. I have said the look at this guy. Look at the beauty of this guy. Of Lucifer. God made all the there's a scripture. He says that in your voice was all, all the harmonies, the beauty. He was not just good looking, but he was made to sound good. You walk back and forth in the midst of the anointing. You are not just a musician, but you are anointed. Let me give you the characteristics quickly so we can go home. Is that okay? All right. The first one. So, did I tell you anything about Paul and Silas? What did I say? Arrested whilst preaching. They, they are worshippers born out of extreme love, isn't it? Born out of extreme love. Because it takes extreme love to be beaten and still sing. Okay, for common characteristics quickly. The first one extravagant worship focuses on the person, on God. You need to focus on God to be able to worship. Solomon focused on God, not the people. David focused on God, not the people. Abraham had his focus on God, not on Isaac. The widow had his focus on God and not on the people that were gathered there. Paul and Silas definitely focused on God and not the prison that they were in. Because if you looked at your surroundings, there's no way. Nothing will give you the incentive to even sing. It's not everywhere you sing. The, the people said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? In other words, when I'm in a strange place, I don't have to sing. When life doesn't go right for me, I don't sing. But not so for Paul and Silas. They sang even in the prison. Number two, extravagant worship flows out of a grateful heart. Gratitude is what gives birth to extravagant worship. The reason why some of us cannot worship God in a certain way is because we are not grateful. We don't believe God has done anything for us. There's a song. He has become my salvation. He has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my soul, my soul. Is he your strength? If he has been your strength and your salvation, it's easy to lift up your, your hands and say, He has become my salvation. He has become 
my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song, my song. Oh, the Lord is my strength and my song. My song. See, the, the third one says that extravagant worship fears not judgment of others. Do you know that in the prison, other prisoners will be very angry that you are singing when you have to sleep at midnight? Shut up! He has become. Shut up! My salvation. You are making noise. He has become. If you don't shut up. My salvation. The Lord. Mikael said how glorious was the king. Dancing naked. With the base fellows. With the mid servants. And he says. I would rather disgrace myself. In the presence of my God. Who picked me from the backside of the desert? Over your father. Don't say father, say father. F A D A. When you want to insult somebody, you don't use a father. It doesn't, it doesn't sound. Say father. Hallelujah. Even there. Even there. See, if you, if you look at the next person standing by you, you will not worship God extravagantly. If you look at the way people are looking at you, you will not be able to sing. You will not be able to dance. You will not be able to give. There are some people, they can't give because of their wives. They can't give because of their husbands. Because as they stand to give and the wife looks at the man, they give a certain eye. Immediately you put it back and you take the small money to come and give. How many want to give 500? That's you are lifting your hand and you pull your hand down. Extravagant worship is not afraid of judging, judgment from people. Hallelujah. If you are afraid of what people will say about your worship, as you are coming to church, if you are afraid of what people will think about you and say about you, what is this? What do you find in this church? Why are you always going there? Maybe you have seen a boy or you have seen a girl there. That's why you go there. Are there nice girls there? I am sure that is why you go there. <laughs> I don't want trouble. People are trying to preach their message through me. Number four, extravagant worship finds expression even in the smallest act of worship. Finds expression even in the smallest act of worship. Giving two widows might, you can find extravagant worship. Singing a song, you can find extravagant worship. Praying, you can find extravagant worship. 